This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale. We used to say we record our podcast a quarter mile at a time. And I think that's why we were podcast acquaintances. Because you did too. No matter where you record, whether it's a quarter mile away or halfway across the world, you'll always be with me. And you'll always be my podcast acquaintances. <laughs> Not family? Uh, no, I, this is the direct quote, I'm pretty sure, from <laughs> Furious 7. Uh, Wait, didn't I just do that same quote yeah, two weeks bringing, ago? This is bringing it full circle. <laughs> I'm so confused. Because, Kent, you did it from Fast and the Furious 1, which is an action movie. I did it from Furious 7, which is a drama. It is a drama? It's a drama? Did you see that ending? I did. Mm. It's been a long time without you, my, my friend. friend. Welcome to Big Sell. I'm Joel. I'm Kent. I'm Jacob. And we'd like to thank you for listening to our last episode, our TV theme show song. So much fun. We had favorite a blast show of the year, easily. People, I was going to say, people actually said this is one of their top favorite shows, which I was like, <laughs> awesome. Because it's we really all credit to Adrian. She had a one. great idea, and we went with it. We loved it. We're probably going to do more of those because we had a great time with it. You know, it never fails, Joel. You're like you know what we ought to do? We ought to do something on like music, soundtracks, you know, theme songs. And I'm like, does anyone care about that? Because it's not my thing. And then it turns out everyone loves it. Everybody. Do. Including wow. Heather Delane Young, who said, my standalone theme song is an easy choice, Chuck. Now that song is an earworm for sure, which is a short, short skirt, skirt, long, long jacket, jacket by Cake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she said, but also I feel like the, right. the psych theme belongs in there somewhere. Perhaps the eventual round tool will have a more fitting category. What is the psych theme? I know. You know that you're not telling the truth. No? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Kenton hasn't watched I, I need to say yeah. this for the show, but they, they alter the theme for a number of different episodes, and it's hilarious every time. Oh, yeah, they change up the words, don't they? Yeah. Well, they change up the tune a lot of times, too. Mm. And then Todd Callen said, you guys brought up so many good ones. I would add the X-Files, Chippendales Rescue Rangers, That 70s Show, and X-Men. Oh, yeah. And See, I, I got thinking about this, Kent. Sure. I think down the road we need to do a specifically animated episode and then non-animated episode. Because we can, we, I mean, there can be a lot of cross ones, but I feel like we could do a whole just animated theme song. Oh, absolutely. We had a great time doing it. We hope you did, too. Thank you for listening to that episode. So we are knee deep in the snow, should we say? Waist deep, I'd say. Waist deep, uh, partnering up with Thanksgiving Point for Luminaria, which is a fantastic light show or i should say a christmas light festival i actually yeah. went for the first time ever last weekend yeah because joel you've been i've been yes jake you just went i haven't Ooh, gone yet really impressive mm. uh some yeah. cool stuff there yeah so we've already chosen over half of the winners already and there's mm. still a few more days to enter there is and get you and a plus one to go see luminaria for free yeah which is what We're, 40 dollar value something yeah. like that yeah i think it's 20 bucks Pretty incredible person. we're doing the 12 days of giveaways and so we've been giving it away on uh, our social media channels on facebook twitter and instagram so follow us there for a chance to win also we're uh giving them away on patreon so if you're a patron and you follow us on social media you get what double chances. chances yeah yeah, yeah. And we're all going to be there on the 13th, which is a Friday. Friday, Friday night. the 13th in December. Should be creepy. Maybe it's kind of perfect for Bacon Sale. It, I was just going to say, it feels very appropriate for yeah. Bacon Sale. Yeah. 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 If you can come that day, great. And if you can't, go any day you choose. Any day you like. And uh, we definitely highly recommend you going and attending this event at any point that you can. Mm -hmm. But if you can win free tickets, that's the way to do it. It honestly. really is. Uh, we've got a fire pit reserved. If you're not familiar... You can, uh, you like halfway through or so, there's yeah. like this cool little community area where you can, like a shop where you can buy like hot chocolate and donuts and things like that. There's these fire pits. So we're going to have one there. We're going to be greeting people from 7 to 7.45. It's going to be awesome. 
So thank yep. you to Thanksgiving Point again. Yeah, thank thanks you. for partnering with us, with us, Thanksgiving Point. It's really cool and a great way to give you listeners a cool free experience. But that's not what we're talking about today. What are we talking about today, Jacob? Today we are wrapping up the Decade Dance. Say it like you mean it, Jacob. Decade Dance. Decade Dance. Decade Dance. Whoa, take Ooh, it easy. That's that was like a, a minor key. That's what Jacob did. Finally. Initially. Yeah, put your heart into he it, Jake. busted it out. Yeah. Uh, we'll get there. <laughs> Will we? So we uh, <laughs> here at the end of, the, of 2019, Maybe. we want to take a look back at the past decade of films. We've done horror. We've done comedy. We've done action. And now it's time for... Drama. 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 The most applauded of all genres of film. The only film that matters in the eyes of the Academy. You know I'm excited about this, right? Oh, I, do. I like dramas too. Yeah, I just, this is my candy. I just think that uh, is Academy this Awards... This my table vomit. Academy Awards should be changed to the Drama Awards. Yeah, because it that's really should. Too. I'm actually really excited for future shows if this if people want it to do like the 90s version of a decade dance. Like, Ooh, wouldn't that, that be great? Fun. That would be fun. That yeah. would be fun. That would be fun. So, uh, is there you, drama in all of these movies, though? Is that kind of the idea? Yeah. yeah. There, there's been fuzzy lines this whole time. Yeah. I mean, Furious 7, drama. <laughs> Apparently. But also action movie. Uh, but the, the way it works is Kent and I have come up with a list of the ten, our 10 favorite dramas from the past 10 years, being mm-hmm. 2010 to 2019. Yes. And uh, we have them. We're going to go back and forth and share them with each other. And it should be fun. And I'd like to apologize like I do for every list because my top 10 changes every single time I think about it. It's 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 difficult. Even my honorable favorites. mentions, I, the, the fact that I didn't include them in my top 10 makes me feel like I'm getting rid of a child. <laughs> Sophie's Choice. <laughs> that, that was that was long before this decade. Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> that's like 70s. 70s. Yes. But yes. All right, so should we get started? Let's do this. Jump into it. Let's do Who's this. Who's going first tonight? Top of the dramas. Kent's going to start. I'm going to start. And my movie, number 10, from 2011, it's Drive. The, Joel's smiling right now. Because your hair is still blonde. It's because <laughs> I think I'm Ryan Gosling. Uh, and you're like, I have to get this into the top 10. Is I have to. Because <laughs> you dressed up as a character from Drive from Halloween and bleached your hair yeah. to do so. Like permanently bleached. It's still bleached. Yeah. It's still, for about another month. It's this still is what, peroxide is this, orange. Is that what yeah. you made it number 10? Oh, just because I dressed up as a character? You're like, I got to make this worth it. It's like a it's one of my favorite movies. What I saying. <laughs> top 10. <laughs> I have to justify my Halloween costume? No, I think the Halloween costume justifies the movie because I feel like Ryan Gosling's character, the driver, is so iconic. Give us the plot synopsis, Kent. A mysterious Hollywood stuntman moonlights as a getaway driver and finds himself in trouble when he helps out his neighbor in this action drama. But tell me about the elevator scene. Oh, the elevator scene. My goodness. Don't. I will. No. But do you want to do you want to act it out first? No. Oh my gosh. Uh, Which character do you want to be? Because I feel like it's all bad. (laughs) So Uh, this is this is actually one of the few ones where I feel like the editing did affect my experience of the movie because it's a very slow movie. Very very much so. Not very action packed. And then there's a horrifically violent scene that occurs in an elevator. But is it horrifically violent? Because you don't see it. But what uh, I'm saying is, yeah, you do. No, you don't. Uh, Yeah, you do. You see him do things. You don't see what happens. You see it at the end. You see, I, you see him do things. Then you see the results. Do you see yeah. the results? You see the results. I think you see blood splatter. You blood see spatter. the results. I saw the clear play because one. I don't know I, what you're no, talking about. You did not. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like it jumped over. A, I, I thought it jumped over something. Maybe it didn't. But I thought it jumped over something. And I was like, oh. I did not see that part edited because I had no edits on violence. And it was horrific. I don't think you see the face. 
Basically, he stomps a guy's face in. You don't see the face because it's gone. <laughs> why are we starting Kent. out with this? <laughs> Kent, keep talking about why you love this movie. Why include it on your 10? Oh, my goodness. I love it so much. We've talked about the soundtrack in so many of these shows. And Night that's call. Just <laughs> one of the sexiest songs there there is. Mm. There it is. Come on. But Brian, or, sorry. Kent has a different definition of this. Joel yes, song. The yeah. violence. This movie sells itself as an action movie in the first five minutes and gives you this thrilling it's a car great, chase. It's a great opening, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it changes completely and isn't an action movie, which we've already done that episode. Right. It becomes a full-on drama where you have a basically mute character, a very silent, brooding Ryan Gosling. He does really good at the That's uh, kind of silent thing, brooding yeah. thing. Yeah. Except in... Whatever it was where he's in space and he's... Uh, First man? Yeah. He was no, he very was, brooding. He was brooding in that too. No, just, I'm saying it doesn't work there. Someone though. give him some cereal, please. That's Aww, all he wants. I love that meme so <laughs> he much. He just keeps turning his face. But he is one of the coolest characters of the decade just for being that strong, silent type. I think he's a kind of a selfish kind of hermit, but he ends up taking care of everyone around him, even though I think he'd rather not. There's not even really like a romantic angle but still, he takes care of Carrie Mulligan's character, for example. Is she like the neighbor girl or something? She is the neighbor who is in a very, very bad relationship, which gets her into trouble and gets the driver into trouble as well. Mm-hmm. I love this movie because it's not what you expect. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people, it's too slow. I was going to say very slow. It's just well, I mean, this too was, slow. This was a prequel for the transporter, right? Um, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much it, right? Where all of a sudden it's, from this, the, it's the same guy in both, right? Yeah, I think that movie is... Bad dialogue, not just no dialogue, which is in this it's movie. It's so bad. <laughs> I, uh, like, I like the first one. But we so talked dumb, about the violence. So <laughs> we talked about the violence. Like, it's not glamorized here. Can we it's, do a transporter show? It's ugly. You really want to do a transporter show? No. Two and three. <laughs> did you see those movies? The I, series? I saw three and it was I so think you're bad. Save it for our transporter show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want that. But the, the violence is ugly. It is what violence is meant to be. It's not saying, how cool is this guy? It's like, no, it's, it's, it's gross. It's when, uncomfortable. When yeah. people get shot in this movie, it's not like they're like, oh, I'll be fine. They probably won't. The, uh, Albert Brooks, do you guys remember him in this movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jake, have you Is seen the, this one? Yeah, yeah. Albert Brooks, the famous comedian, remember? as a bad guy. Oh, yeah. that's right. It was Nemo's, such a strange Nemo's role. father <laughs> as a bad guy. Yeah. Really bad. And just the cast itself. So you have Oscar Isaac in this movie as well. Ron Perlman. Brian Cranston is everyone's favorite mechanic there. Mm-hmm. It's a serious cast. Yeah, yeah, this is my favorite movie from 2011. It is very hipster, but at the same time, it is one of these cult movies based on the look, the feel, the sound. Oh, absolutely. The sound, I was going to say, the soundtrack is definitely pretty famous. Pretty much everyone I know loves this movie, Kent. Oh, no. Do you still like it? Nope. It's in my honorable mentions now. (laughs) But Drive is is in my number 10. Okay. Uh, My number 10 is one we've already talked about before here on the show on Bacon Cell in episode 189, Time to Tear Tearjerkers, back in January of this year. And it's The Impossible. So, the impossible is. <laughs> Hold on, don't cry. Can I pause you for a second? One sec. Because it's unrelated. I pause this movie. Pause it. So I didn't have to cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the story of a tourist family in Thailand caught in the destruction and chaotic aftermath of the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami. This is one where I. It's real fear. Yes. Like when you watch a horror movie, it's like, oh, that's scary. That's never going to happen to me. I'm never going to be stalked by a giant, you know, monster killer type thing. Or even in like a disaster Unless movie, like 20, on you. You could. <laughs> like 2012 or Volcano or anything like that. You're like, I'm not really going to be around a giant volcano right. or the end of the world. But this one this is one. This one is like a family drama because this family is literally torn apart 
by a tsunami where the dad and sons are are kind of put one place, the mom and the other son are put another place. Little Tom Holland. Yeah. Uh, this stars uh, Naomi Watts, Ewan McGregor, Little and Tom, Tom Holland. Holland. But this is one that destroyed me emotionally. It really did just a visceral reaction to what was happening on the screen. And they used a lot of practical effects on this. He didn't mm-hmm. want to use a lot of water CGI. So he had the actors like being dunked in tanks and things like that. I got teary eyed watching the dang trailer. And then I watched and then I was like, let me catch up on the plot summary. And I got teary eyed again. Reading the plot summary. Did you have yes. the same experience I did? Because I avoided this movie till it was out on video because I thought, oh, it's another like trashy disaster movie. I, I didn't see it until DVD. Yeah, and and for anyone that hasn't seen this movie yet, DVD, I'm rec- I'm recommending it now because you may have avoided it for a certain reason. Yeah, this movie will grab at your heartstrings. This is this I was gonna say. This is one you don't want to watch with your kids, probably. Yeah, uh, it's PG-13, but it's very realistic disaster sequences that are going to haunt children if they see it, and it it really is this emotional roller coaster the entire time. In fact, Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times gave it a perfect four-star rating. Wow. And called it one of the best films of the year, being 2012. And also, there were, this is based on true events. And a lot of people were like, oh, you know, this is fictionalized. This is, you know, just basically they put the Americanized family, which they're British, but that's not the point. Yeah, because it was movie. actually a Spanish family that it's yeah. about. Yeah, it's yeah. about a Spanish family. But then the uh, British survivor, Simon Jenkins, he wrote into this critic that was saying it was very unrealistic, saying that the film is beautifully accurate. He said the Thai people were so gracious in that their their world, where they lived, their home was torn apart. Yeah. And they were concerned about taking care of the tourists who had no place to go. And yeah. I was like, that just seems so beautiful to me. These, it is. these tourists who rely on technology and all of a sudden are in some country they don't know. Yep. And not with their family. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, it, it is harrowing. heart-wrenching. Yes. But also, I, I want to say this, that it's also uplifting. So don't expect you're going to be, like, destroyed for the whole time. There's good things that happen, too. But it's a good reminder of what's really important in the world when you watch this movie. So It's a good reminder that I actually had tear ducts yes. that worked. Yes. Man, this movie. <laughs> it's good yes. to remember that from time to time. No, it, it made me mad. Yeah, let me pinch Like, you. I'm actually mad at this movie for making <laughs> yeah. me cry. Speaking of Kent's tear ducts. Uh Uh-oh, never-ending story? That came out so long ago, Joel. I'm going to jump to my number nine, and Kent, I want you to contain yourself, young man. Am I going to punch you or hug you? You're going to do both because (laughs) it's a movie you love, but not as high as you want it. It's Inception. Oh, okay, okay. So Inception is one of those movies I'm a little proud. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So Uh, number nine is Inception? Number nine is Inception because this is one of those movies I feel like it took my second viewing to fully appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Why is this drama not action? Because it's not about oh, that's a good question. Because the truth yeah. is, there are there's guns in here. There's some car chases, but when Ken and I were talking about, because we didn't discuss what movies we were going to pick, mm-hmm. but when we talked about what differentiates a drama for an action movie, we mm-hmm. talked about what do you think about when you think about the movie? Are you talking about the cool fight scene, or are you talking about uh, the you know, amazing acting? And this one was one where I felt it was a deep thinker to the point where action fans probably been a little turned off. So like, let's get to the cool stuff. Because it's not pure sequences. action because it's so cranial. Yeah. Yes. And if I was to explain any of these movies to you, Jake, if I'm going to explain it, like this movie would be emotional instead of there'd be like, oh, there's this cool mm-hmm. hallway fight scene and that's awesome. But I would actually explain how I felt and why I felt that way during Inception, yeah. which would make it a drama for well, me. And also the crux of this movie is a, well, a father-son relationship and a father-child relationship. Yes. And that's where the movie hinges. 
in fact, the like the climax of the movie is basically a father coming to uh, an understanding of his uh, of his son, or a son coming to an understanding of his father, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So, uh, synopsis: If you don't know Inception, a thief who steals corporate secrets th- through the use of dream sharing technology is given the inverse task of planting an idea into the mind of a CEO. Directed by Christopher Newlin, I think is what Newland. his name is. Stop that right Newland. now. I'm actually going to keep it. I of, killed him for you, Joel. <laughs> that was so many shows ago. <laughs> but uh, I do wonder uh, how many Christopher Nolan movies Kent is going to have on his list. But I feel like this is one that I needed to include personally. Because I remember watching the trailer when it first came out and being like, I don't understand what this movie's about, but I'm intrigued and I want to know more. It's just so original. There's a train. Like, this this movie is driving brilliantly the original. There's a soundtrack that goes, which has become a cliche now. But yeah. back in the day, it was like, this is new. It was a different time. Uh, in the 2000s, Nolan had made a name for himself through Batman Begins and then Prestige came out, which not as many people saw, but still mm. regarded as a great movie. Yeah. And then you have The Dark Knight, which everyone saw but even and after that they were kind of like warner brothers would give him a blank check inception came out and people were like eh doesn't really look like my thing and i'm like hasn't he proven himself by now and that was at the beginning of the decade well inception dark had a gigantic opening though huge well in dark, dark huge. especially what, for an original ip yeah well yeah. he wrote this movie after he did insomnia which i actually really enjoy as well mm-hmm. but he presented this idea to universe uh, to warner brothers excuse me about a universe where it's dream stillers and it was a horror movie and he had this idea that he wanted to do and they weren't really interested in it until he did The Dark Knight. And that was his punch where like, you can do whatever you want. Christopher Nolan's like, here's money. This movie. <laughs> Make a movie. I want to do this movie. Well, it sounds like you want a different direction as well. And this this was a, a deep thinking drama based off an original story with no built in audience, uh, no associated franchise. And it was the fourth highest grossing film of 2010. Well, the, they marketed it so well. They really did. The trailers were amazing. The, the trailers thing, were perfect. The only things that beat it were Toy Story 3, Alice in Wonderland, and Deathly Hollows Part 1. Well, which are all better movies, obviously. So. Which, well, which are all existing <laughs> franchises. So I just I thought it was so impressive. And then it won a four Academy Awards, nominated for four more. This is And Hans Zimmer's score is fantastic yeah so good obviously because people still use that in like everything it's yeah. still interesting well, to me even how Hans Zimmer, Hans mind heist yeah. is, isn't Hans Zimmer, how but. broadly like approachable the movie is yeah because it's work like do you I'm, really think it's approachable no no i'm saying it's not oh, but, okay but but it made so much money like you listen like alice in wonderland mm-hmm. and harry potter mm-hmm. and i mean toy story three toy story like those those are very approachable movies yeah right this is like hey do you want to go in and think really hard for two and a half hours <laughs> and then yeah. have and be to, exhausted and then at the end of the movie just need to see it again to understand to, what you yeah, saw like, no, 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 no idea I, what just happened i think, I think yeah. you can understand it for uh, first viewing i'm saying you need to you appreciate it more the second time you watch it where you're like now that i've got the structure down this yes. is now i can focus on this it's such an interesting mood my wife actually <clears throat> She hates this movie. She really? hates it. You want to know why, though? You're yes. going to like the reason. Is she hates movies, movies that actually like connect and make her feel something. <laughs> and so, she's the anti-me. Yeah, yeah. She's like, oh my gosh, no, get that away from me. I don't want it to actually affect me. I just want to be entertained. Oh. And so oh, she's like, we oh, need no, to have a talk. I hate that thing. Like, yeah. Well, and I, I just want to bring up one more thing about this movie, which I'm sure that Ken's going to bring it up again. Keep, keep going. Honestly, we could dedicate the rest of the time to this. Uh, <laughs> we'll save it for a Christopher Nolan show. No, please. Uh, but the reason That's I want to bring it up. I got so excited. One of the reasons that this, this one made my top 10 versus any other Christopher Nolan movie coming out in the last decade is that this one, maybe because of the concept of the movie, has implanted itself into into oh, society there mm-hmm. where they'll you'll see like there's i remember there was a picture of a pizza with bagel bites on it and it says pizzaception yes or there's a cat that i saw that has a like a markings on its back that looks like another cat on its back 
and it's like catception. Yeah. Everyone puts ception at the end of you things could when it's spin, like thing instead of a thing instead of a thing. A you thing. could spin a top and you would think of it as inception. Yeah. Like it's taken that it's had icon. an effect. It, yes, it, it made people an are always putting tops. <laughs> yeah, I am everywhere I go. I see people spinning tops. <laughs> Top. Inception, huh? You should have seen 2010 hey. Christmas. Tops were the highest selling toy. <laughs> They're like the tickle me elbows. All the parents are like, I'm gonna get a top for my. Kid. And then it became fidget spinners. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. crazy. Anyway, yeah. so number nine, okay. Inception. All right, my number nine is Dunkirk. I'm just kidding uh, because I feel like I have to have every Christopher Nolan movie. Right. My number nine is Gone Girl from 2014. Mm. Gone Girl's a good one. With his wife's disappearance having become the focus of an intense media circus, a man sees the spotlight turned on him when it's suspected that he may not be innocent. Directed by David Fincher, starring Ben Affleck, Rosamund Pike, and several others. Rosamund yeah. Pike. She has scared me ever since. Mercy. So I saw her in this Spoiler movie. alert. I saw, oh yeah. Please see Gone Girl. Um, I'm going to try to be vague, but we're going to throw stuff out there. This movie came out six years ago at this point, five, six yeah. years ago. It's the most effective trashy stuff that you'll ever see, basically. Trashy? What do you mean? Oh, it's like it's like it's a sleazy it, romance novel with murder. And then, well, uh, and then the like, movie it, does that as well. He's saying, like, you, he's saying like kind of like a, a Lifetime special. Exactly, well, exactly. You see movies like, like this executed the, so well. Like remember the 90s when... Sleeping with the Enemy, Hand That Rocks the Cradle, those kind of movies came yeah. out. And now they've kind of become Lifetime movies. Yeah, yeah. They're very popular on the big screen in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And then you see this movie, so based on a book by Gillian Flynn. She wrote the screenplay as well. With a great director like David Fincher taking it on. You're yeah, like, he did some movies you like. A he? lot. And you're like, why would you do something so pulpy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the yeah, way he it made it. So pulpy and so fictiony. It's nope. masterful. Oh, it is. There is a scene in there where I literally like put my hand over my mouth. Like that literally. May have, that may have that been seen that Claire Play jumped over. But. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I like literally covered my mouth. Like, but oh my God. This so, is definitely one that kept me guessing the whole time. The opening, and I'm sorry, this is going to get a little, I'm not going to say anything inappropriate or family unfriendly, okay. but the opening monologue from ben affleck as he's staring at the back of his wife's head do you remember this oh yeah he yeah. says and she's resting on it on his chest and he says this is in bed they're they're sleeping when i think of my wife i always think of the back of her head i picture cracking her lovely skull unspooling her brain trying to get answers the primal questions of a marriage what are you thinking how are you feeling what have we done to each other what will we do and you're going you're a terrible dude, Ben Affleck, which mm-hmm. may be true, Ben Affleck. Do you <laughs> well, like how I'm talking to him? It was actually perfect timing for him, perfect too. Perfect timing. Because he was all like not very liked. Yes. Which was exactly the perception in the movie. The role is perfect for him. Yeah. And then you see Rosamund Pike, and the first thing you actually see her performing is at a party, and you're like, she's not doing very well in this. She's not a great actress. She's so cool. Mm-hmm. Like, she's too cool for it. And then you go, ah, it's exactly what the movie is doing. Yeah, it's a smart like, film in that Amy way. Amy Dunn in this movie is amazing. Dunn? Uh, yeah, with an E, mm. Amy Dunn. Maybe that's why I like it so much. <laughs> but this is, in it. and there's another movie that will appear on my list that I'm going to say this about, but it is very Hitchcockian. Mm-hmm. Even though, like we said, it's Lifetime, it takes it further because you get to see both sides of this story and the fact that you get to uh, read, or I guess hear Amy's journal mm-hmm. and the way that she's creating this and then see Ben Affleck's character, Nick, it's not actually Ben Affleck, guys. He didn't kill his wife. Uh, yeah. Nick Dunn. And you you blame him, even though you're like, but is he innocent? But is he not? And the movie makes you just question every yeah. side yeah. until yeah. you don't. Yeah, it keeps so the good. whole time. You're like, which way is this movie going to go? Yeah. Did you read the book, Kent? Yes. I did too. The book is great. Yeah. And the movie... Didn't the book have... A, it had a different ending, right? 
It's a little bit more grim, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I was remembering. Is like, but the book had more of a bite. It did. Yeah. But the movie surprisingly pulled it off very well. One of the best book-to-movie adaptations in the past decade. Well, didn't they? I was going to say, didn't she actually write the screenplay as well? <laughs> she the, did. The author of the book wrote yeah, the Julian screenplay. Yeah, Flynn. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, good. And also, Kirby Hayborn does the audiobook version. He plays Nick Dunn. So Ooh, Kirby check that local, playing ben local legend, Kirby <laughs> Hayborn. Let's have him so, on the show. That was number nine, Gone Girl. All right. My number eight is from 2016, Kimi no Wawa. You said you weren't going to use Kimi no Wawa. I was tricking it? you, Joel. You liar. Joel was trying to cheat before the show. I wasn't trying <gasps> to cheat. I was Joel. trying to see if he was going to cl- include any animated movies because I've included them in the last couple. I know. I just wanted to follow your, your but footsteps. But you can talk about it. This is, we've talked about it on the show before. This is called Your Name your in name. English. From 2016, Kimi no Wawa, two strangers find themselves linked in a bizarre way. When a connection forms, will distance be the only thing to keep them apart? So this movie is uh, Japanese. It's written directed by Mikado Shinkai. Animated Japanese. Animated Japanese. It's anime. Don't say that. Other people won't watch it. They'll be like, I don't like anime. But I, I was... never heard you mention this. I was... What? This, yeah. You really? Yeah. Did uh, you not listen to me in 2016? Because you said the same thing about Baby Driver as well. Jacob, what's Baby Driver? Jacob, we li- <laughs> Stop that. We literally <laughs> had a whole outro of us saying Kimi no Wawa over and no, over I've again. I've heard the name, but I haven't heard Kent talk about it. Like, oh. I haven't heard him like gosh about this It was at one all. of my favorite I mean, movies like, that year. Kubo yeah, went too str- I think you know. it was on my list for favorite too. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like animated. Like I heard you talk about Kubo forever. Like I love this movie. Okay. Yeah. And it's strange because... This is a body swap movie. Listen, it's a body swap movie. Listener out there. I didn't watch anime either. In fact, I still don't. This movie did not turn me to watch anime because I'm not some weird... Creeper. Joel's right. You need to stop saying anime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Animated movie. But this is one that I just... I clung to. The story is so personal. And Joel, as you said, it's a body swapping movie. Yes. And a young like high school age boy and young high school age girl from different parts of the country... Swap bodies don't really understand what's going on, but it, it handles that. And granted, there's some juvenile stuff in there. Yeah. Well, it's to be expected when you swap bodies. Sure. But it handles it like with finesse. Like there's humor there, but it doesn't overdo it. Doesn't get. No, it's still very PG 13. Yeah. It doesn't get perverted or anything yeah. like that. So you're disappointed. <laughs> no, it's just enough perversion for okay. me. Okay. Oh, no. What, what have I done? <laughs> but. There's so much fun there. There's like the nostalgia of like high school life, friendships, young ambitions at that point. And these people from different sides of the country, almost different sides of lifestyles are experiencing what the other has. And then and it's fun. And then right in the middle, there's like a really dramatic turn. And it's not even like this. But it's not, when it stops becoming, it's like this lighthearted kind it of movie for a while. And then it takes this dramatic turn where you're like, oh, this is a serious movie? It doesn't ruin the movie at all. In no. fact, you're so invested in the characters at that point you just really want success for both of them. And it becomes a beautiful experience. The animation here is incredible. The Even the environments here, I think, are, are standout. And that's maybe why I should watch more of these movies, but I almost want this to be like What's an isolated experience. Uh, your, name. your name. No, no, I want the Japanese. Wait. Kimi no Wawa. So wait, wait, wait. So is the actual title Kimi no Wawa? Yeah, that's okay. the in Japanese, Japanese. And then if you translate it, I don't know if it's direct translation, but it's your name. And this actually has become, I hate to say this again, it is the highest grossing animated anime movie. So past Studio Ghibli, Spirited Away. Crazy. So it made a lot of money over there. Interesting. Uh, I own this one. People should find it. I mean, Jake, if you want to borrow this one, it is actually great. Sure. I'd love to go throw it outside. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. So Remember great. when I said, hey, recommendations that are great? Yeah. This movie is great. It's great. Okay. okay. It's great. Yeah. All right, Joel, what do you got for your number eight? Give it to uh, me. My number eight uh, is one that I it could border on horror, honestly. 
It's from 2014, and it stars Jake Gyllenhaal. It's oh. Nightcrawler. Oh, I'm so glad you're mentioning this. So, like, like one of the best or one of your favorites? Like, is there a difference here? Because this, seeing you like actually like enjoy this movie, no, that seems I, hard to imagine. The thing is, I enjoyed this movie because what it did. Okay, let me give the synopsis. When Louis Bloom, a con man desperate for work, muscles into the world of L.A. crime journalism, he blurs the line between observer and participant to become the star of his own story. Directed by Dan Gilroy, who did Roman J. Israel Esquire. Mm. Uh, uh, starring Denzel Washington, uh, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, oh, Rene yeah. Russo, Bill Paxton. Uh, this this movie was one where I didn't really know what to expect because there was no guy with blue fur that could teleport <laughs> from Nightcrawler. From okay, Nightcrawler. sure. But <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal, right at the beginning, he does some stuff that you're just like, this guy's not normal. And then as he goes along, he is so realistically terrifying. Mm-hmm. And he's and he's your protagonist. You, yeah, he, he's the guy you're following this whole time. Yes. He's an yeah. anti-hero. But it's scary because it could happen because yeah. it just kind of takes the world and just heightens well, it just the, a little bit. That's the whole thing is that it makes it real. It's yeah. like it takes a guy that's like, okay, he's a little weird, but you like he's a real character. And then if it's you want to win the lottery, you got to make the money to buy the ticket. And then it's like suddenly horrific. Yeah. Well, and so and it also exposed me to this world I didn't know existed. They're called stringers mm-hmm. or uh, video vultures, uh, night crawlers. They're called. That's one of the reasons the name of the movie. But it's these people who will sit around with police scanners waiting to hear about tragedy striking so they can go there and film it and then sell it to a news station. And they have... And And this exists. This exists. This really exists. Yeah, it's gross anyway. And they have uh, the the tagline, if it bleeds, it leads. Because they want to see the horrific things that happen. And this movie... I mean, basically, I mean, stringers are not abnormal. Like Peter Parker, the Daily Bugle, was a stringer. Yeah. He would get pictures of Spider-Man, gives to the paper. He's not an actual employee. He just freelances. So it's not a terrible profession if you're doing it in a maybe if you're just trying to get pictures of Spider-Man. Way. Yeah. yeah. But these people like some like they actually met a guy who actually did it and Jake Gyllenhaal kind of talked with him and mm-hmm. rode around with him and things like that. But Louis Bloom, the character he plays, obviously is a heightened version of that. And he does things that are horrific, but it's still in a realistic way. Yes. Like for example, this is just an example. But he knows that he has to get a good shot in order to get, you know, the video in order to get on the news. And so he comes upon a car accident and the police haven't arrived yet. And so he takes the body and moves it to another location so he can get a better shot. He frames the shot. And it's just like, who who does that? Yeah. Don't do that. And obviously it gets more and more crazy as the movie goes along. But this movie just shows how much, how blind ambition Mm -hmm. and using people as pawns to get to your, where you want to be is devastating for everyone involved. Like, you know, I still remember, and like a lot of the times with movies and things and anything really, like you forget maybe sometimes the details, but you remember how you felt. Yes. Like yeah. the scene in the restaurant. I was just going to say that with Rene yes. Russo. With, yes, yes. Yeah. And holy cow. When chilling. It's, yes, chilling. Like yeah. I literally like stopped breathing for a moment, it's like scary. watching that, like holy cow. And by the way, it's not like the scary scene where he might kill her. They're talking. Yeah, they're just that's talking. all. That's all that's happening. They're just, just he's, yeah. he's a sociopath. Yeah, like he, he has no emotion, and he says things and does things that you're like, "That's not normal, dude." Yeah, he's just like, you know, I'm in charge now, basically stuff. Yeah. And it was like shocking. Yeah, and this one is rated R for uh, violence and and language. Uh, Clearplay DVD and Blu-ray have it. Benito has it, so you can, you can find uh, some way to if you if you prefer it edited, you can find some ways to do it. But this is one that terrified me and thrilled me, and I did not see it coming. I'm so glad you put this because I left it off my list. Did but you? I'm so glad you mentioned it. Yes. All right. So we're moving on to our number seven. Yep. My number seven was up for Best Picture, did not win. And I do feel like Kent may not agree with this one, 
Maybe he will. I don't know. It's the social network. So the social network, Ken doesn't agree. Actually, it's a great movie. Why are you being so quiet? It's not my top 10. All right. So the social network is one that I kind of forgot how much I liked it until mm-hmm. I went back and read my review about it. Now, the social network is about Mark Zuckerberg creating Facebook. Or did he? <laughs> it could have been the Winklevoss, the Winklevoss. It's obviously a fictionalized version of what happened. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little elaborative in some parts. Uh, directed by David Fincher, who actually did Gone Girls. You mentioned Seven, Zodiac, and some movie called Fight Club. So you stop um, that right now. <laughs> Fight Club. <laughs> so mad at you. And uh, it's written by Aaron Sorkin. If you don't know who that is, he's got dialogue that's just amazing. That's what yes. he does. So David Fincher at the helm of directing, Aaron Sorkin at the writing. There's a reason. Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross doing the score. Exactly. I was going to bring that up. That, that There's a reason this movie is great, and it's because of all these people, different people involved. Even Jesse Eisenberg. The way he plays this yeah. character of Mark Zuckerberg in this Andrew just, Garfield. Maybe I have a thing for totally. sociopaths. This is my second sociopathic pick <laughs> oh, in a no. row. Uh-oh. But it, it's funny because it reminds us, it reminded me that there was a time when posting your social media online was a novel idea. Yes. Like you watch this movie and it's like, yeah, wait a minute. This is a new concept. People didn't know what everyone else was doing at every time of the day. Yeah. Uh, this was based on a book, uh, the, Accidental, uh, the Accidental Billionaires. It received eight nominations, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, and the score. Jeez, it had that many? Yeah. I don't remember that. As, as good as King's Speech was, I believe this one deserved the Best Picture. This one Over did. King's Speech. Okay. Because it fit the time. Mm-hmm. Because this is time when kind of social media was building up. And yes, the Facebook. The Facebook. Yeah, because now, <laughs> now you're Justin Timberlake. No, because well, you just call it. Facebook. Because they do call it the Facebook. See, your mom was right when she calls it the Facebook. That's what it was originally <laughs> called. But this was when it was still in favor and, yeah. and even growing. And nowadays it may, may have fallen out of favor. But really, you watch this and you're like, this is a well-crafted You're film. right. Both protagonists in these movies you shouldn't root for. No. But you still have to follow. Yeah, I'm really interested yeah. to see what's next. It's Because everything this guy says, thankfully to Aaron Sorkin, but in the court, in like as they're sitting there with the lawyers and everything, and mm-hmm. the things that Mark Zuckerberg says in these scenes that Jesse Eisenberg portrays, Aaron, Sor- Aaron Sorkin is it's writing. So it makes it sharp. epic. Yeah. In fact, and then Trent Reznor's score, like they're literally just rowing a boat on yeah. a river, and Trent Reznor's score, you're just like, yeah, this is awesome. But it's funny too because the, I I read a, a, a stat here that said that a blog. Uh, that does informational stuff, rated this as 76.1% accurate when compared to real-life events. 76? That's what they said. 76. That's actually really accurate. Yeah. But obviously compared Mark to most like based on a true story movie. Mark Zuckerberg's like, yeah, it's all fictionalized. And uh, Andrew Garfield's character, I can't remember his name right now, Eduardo yes. something, he's Brazilian. Uh, but he also said, you know, it's all fictionalized. But people were like, no, nah, it's kind of got a lot going on for it's it. because Mark Zuckerberg is rewriting history as we speak. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, by the way, listed The Social Network as one of his favorite 20 movies of the year, only second to Toy Story 3. Oh, that's so sweet. I know. He has a heart. Tarantino being like, I love Toy Story 3. Because it buzzes feet. Oh, gross. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But that's my number seven, uh, Social Network. If you haven't seen it, give it a shot. It's PG-13. Uh, pretty quick watch. Uh, quick, quick, quick watch. I <laughs> really quick, quick really lighthearted. I mean, pretty entertaining <laughs> watch. It's Yeah, it's not too heavy. It's actually just very interesting. All right. My number seven is from 2016. It's Arrival. Ooh, that's a good one. A linguist works with the military to communicate with alien life forms after 12 mysterious spacecraft appear around the world. Directed by one of my favorite guys, Denis Villeneuve, uh, starring Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. This one is, I think, maybe less approachable than some that we've talked about on the list already. Like we mentioned Inception. It's not less approachable than Nightcrawler. 
Is it not? No, because I mean, it's, it's a little bit happier. There's aliens, so that's a little interesting. Bit. It's but it's aliens, but it's so actually. Is Amy Adams a sociopath? No, she is not. Oh, She's actually no. quite likable in real life. More approachable <laughs> in yeah, real life. May, I don't know. Maybe in real life, yeah. So Denis Villeneuve, he actually called this dirty sci-fi, like in quotes. He's like, it's what dirty sci-fi. He, he actually explains. He says, "I want this to feel like it's happening on a bad Tuesday morning when you're like a kid on a school bus and on a rainy day." And you dream while looking at the window at the clouds and you just like that's the kind of sci-fi it was where you just see like aliens out in the field. Because really, that's the kind of movie it is. It's not some big alien invasion. It's all about the mystery. And there's aliens randomly there. This is a first contact story, but we're totally caught unaware. And we may be the ones that cause the destruction here because we don't quite know how to communicate. There's a reason the main character is a linguist because it's all about communication. Yeah, she has to learn how to communicate with these beings that we yes. don't understand at all. Yeah. And in form, in language, it's just we don't know what's going on. And I don't know if people see this movie kind of like how contact is viewed now, where it's really slow, maybe a little too indulgent. It is slow. It's a deep thinker too. Yeah, and there's some really trippy stuff in here there as well. Is. But it's touching. Like even the aliens, like the relationship. There's they a lot have. of touching <laughs> <laughs> on the walls, on the yeah, walls. Yeah. But even the the relationship they have, it it feels interpersonal, genuine, almost. genuine, exactly. Because it, 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 it feels very realistic in the sense of this is probably what would happen should aliens appear. Exactly. And I will say, like the way the story is told, without giving any spoilers, contextually is perfect. Amy Adams' character is crucial to, I would say, the salvation of mankind. And the way that is distributed through the story and what is what happens, what's meant to happen, is perfect. The way it handles time itself is masterful. Well, it's Other not, than it's, the movie just it's being beautiful. Somewhat nonlinear, as I recall. Yes. Right. And so yeah. yeah. And which which is difficult to craft and execute correctly, and they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the one that I was really upset about Amy Adams not winning the Academy Award. She should have. At she least, should have. She should have. Who won it that year? I don't remember. I remember her getting robbed. Probably Meryl Streep. Was she not even nominated? Was that what the thing? It might have been that, yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, this whole decade she's been robbed. And so in my quote, my original review, it says, The originality may turn off general audiences, but if you enjoy deliberate and introspective experiences, Arrival is the movie you've been waiting for. This yeah, is one I had fair. to watch twice to truly love because the first time I walked out and I said, Well, my mind is blown. But do I love it yet? And mm-hmm. the second time I watched it, I said, yeah, mm-hmm. absolute love. Yeah. All right. My number six. I'm sorry to scoop a certain person on the podcast. It's from 2013. It's about time. Oh, I love that movie. Isn't it about time? I love that movie. At the age of 21, Tim discovers he can travel in time and change what happens and happened in his own life. His decision to make his world a better place by getting a girlfriend turns out not to be as easy as you might think. It's a very interesting synopsis for what happens in the movie. And we've talked about this on Tearjerkers. I think we talked about it on Time Travel. Yeah, like every we, other week. We've talked this on a couple times on, on Pretty Bates much, so. yeah. yeah. Uh, this is written and directed by Richard Curtis. And here's why I love so many dramas, because the director puts so much effort into it mm-hmm. that they are often the writer as well. Yeah. It's like they're written, yeah. produced, and directed by this person. And, and About Time does lean more comedic drama than like scary drama or dark yeah. drama this is definitely a light-hearted drama well it's got real tears involved here it does so if you were to explain this movie to someone would you say oh my gosh that was so funny no <laughs> right no it's like there are funny parts but wow this movie gets you in the feels and there's a specific scene in fact bill nye who i would say is like the british christopher walken like you see him yeah. Yeah. and he's very like an archetype of just this weird eccentric guy. And he's the dad in Shaun of the Dead. He's yes. the rocker in Love Actually. Right. But in this movie, he, he brought he's me to tears. from Pirates. Yes, he is. 
But the the emotional aspect of this movie, it just rings so true. It does. And it's a time travel movie. So it's like sci-fi comedy. Very, very British. It's yes. all over. It's the all time over. Travels, the time travel is merely a vehicle to kind of move the story forward. It's yes. funny how they just kind of wave it away like eh, time travel. Yeah. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey doesn't matter. Let's move on with the story. Yeah, even with some of like the dangers of that, like it it's chilling for a second, but it's all about and no, it doesn't it's not a romantic comedy. It's a love story. It's a family story. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so great. And Donald Gleason, like he is this affable and approachable lead. He feels approachable as the viewer. You know, as someone that needs a girlfriend or someone that just wants to make his life work. You're like, yeah, I believe he couldn't get a girlfriend. <laughs> I, I'm like, I, I see him and I go, I'd be that guy. I'd be, I'd be reversing time like crazy. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I, yeah. And now you're with Except for I'd go back and Rachel, get Margot Robbie a few times. Yeah. Because... No, that's the thing. He gets Margot Mar- Mar- Robbie's yeah. in this movie. Rachel McAdams, he's in... What's that movie with the bunny? Oh, Peter Rabbit. Peter Rabbit with, yes. with uh, Rose Byrne. Yeah. I mean, this guy, he gets all the beautiful ladies. Yeah. But I will say, like, in a story about going back in time, it shows life progressing for better and sometimes for worse and then for better. So it's back in time, but also moving forward through life. This is a beautiful story. This is like an annual watch. I haven't me. heard of it. I watch yeah. this one quite frequently. Rachel. My number six actually stars Tyler Perry. And I didn't think I'd have a movie with Tyler Perry to make I my top 10, but here we are. It's Gone Girl. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I like that that's what you're going to mention. Because that was like, I was looking at this, I'm like, oh, starring Ben I Affleck, Rosemary totally Pike, forgot he Neil was Patrick in Harris, yeah. and Tyler Perry. And he's the lawyer that comes in and helps Ben Affleck. He's uh, really he's good in the movie. Yeah. Oddly, so, isn't it? And this is directed by David Fincher, who did The Social Network, Panic Room, The Game, and The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. <laughs> it's curious. So this one we've already talked about. Ken already talked about it. He already scooped me on this one. Sorry. Uh, it's okay. Uh, because I feel like this movie needs to be seen to be a, like, I think a lot of people need to see this movie. If you want to see just a really good whodunit, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're okay, listen now, if you're into true crime podcasts, oh yeah, you should watch Gone Girl because it is exactly that this murder mystery type thing of, you know, where's his wife? What happened? And I thought I knew where the movie's going for a bit, and then it caught me by surprise. And I'm like, okay, we're here now. And then it caught me by surprise again. Yeah. I kept me guessing the entire time. This is what a crime thriller should be because you don't know what's going to happen and you don't know who the good guy is or who the bad guy is until the truth comes to light. It's a bummer we haven't seen this level of quality from this genre since. Yeah, we yeah. really Or haven't. even 15 years previous. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a rare thing. That's, yeah. and also that's why I made both your list. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did this yeah, for this as did. well. Uh, one, thing I, one thing I wanted to point out is that Production was shut down for four days on this movie because Ben Affleck oh. refused to wear a New York Yankees cap for a scene. <laughs> four days they shut down production because he, he's a Boston Red Sox fan. They would not wear a Yankees cap. And eventually they reached a compromise and he wore a New York Mets hat for the scene. So four days shut down because of that. Wow. How much money they lost for that? I don't know. <laughs> Quite a bit. It's a well done movie. And it did, it did well at the box office too. And David Fincher, is well. an, he's an interesting director if you don't know much about his filmography. There are some directors that say, hey, let's get three cuts of this and we'll find one that works. Yeah. Right. We'll, we'll kind of wing it from there. David Fincher will do 80 cuts of yeah. every scene. 80. And he does. He does a lot of different ones. And that's, that's two David Fincher movies in a row. Yeah. Almost so meticulous. In it's fact, too bad he didn't peak until the 2000s. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> you stop it right now. <laughs> All right. Are we ready to jump into our top five? Yeah. Ooh. Let's do this. Our top five movies of the past decade. My number five speaks to my local heart for a number of reasons. What? And it's directed by one of my favorite directors, Danny Boyle, 
it's 127 hours. Oh, okay. Oh. So 127 Hours came out in 2010, and it's here's the synopsis. A mountain climber becomes trapped under a boulder while canyoneering alone in Moab, Utah, and resorts to desperate measures in order to survive. Uh, directed by Danny Boyle, who mentioned who directed Slumdog Millionaire, Millions, Transporting, uh, Train Spotting, Transporter 2. <laughs> 20 Days Later. Yeah. Uh, I really do enjoy Danny Boyle's work when yes. he does it right. He, he's made some misfires, but this one is the true life story of the guy who got his arm stuck under a boulder in Southern Utah. How could you make a movie out of that and make it good? And it's one, it's basically James Franco the whole time. Ugh, that sounds terrible. It does sound mm-hmm. terrible. All, every part of this recipe is the worst. It is. And yet it's like one of those things where you put two weird things together and it's like, oh, that actually kind of works. Oh, yeah. Insert losing an arm joke now. <laughs> <laughs> this movie costs an arm and a leg to make. Um, when he's cutting that vein. Whoa. The way the music heightens right there. Is it like a violin string? It's like a buzzing. It's, it it's terrible. Yeah, it does hurt. Yeah. It does hurt. So uh, this movie, like I said, it's yeah, one person feel it. carrying the movie. It's, it's James Franco carrying the movie. And he's basically by himself doing monologues the entire time. And yet the way it's shot is beautiful. And the way it, it the stakes feel so real. But you never really get bored. Nope. Even though he's just there by himself talking to a camera and it's based on real life footage that Aaron Ralston took while he was trapped there. In fact, he said, Aaron Ralston said, uh, aside from a few things they changed at the beginning just to kind of, you know, give him a little more character. He said, this is so factually accurate that it is close to being a documentary as you can and still be a fictionalized drama. He's like, but I'm more handsome than James (laughs) Franco. He may think that. That doesn't take Um, much. Nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Actor for Franco and Best Picture. I actually own this one. Uh, Killian Murphy actually was going to be, he was the first choice. Oh, okay. For, uh, that seems like a weird choice. I thought that could be watchable too. It would have been a different movie. Yeah, very different movie. And then I want to... You're like, I, he's up to something bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's going to cut so. someone else's arm off. But <laughs> yeah, obviously, exactly. And this is going to get not unfamily and friendly, but a little graphic. Mm-hmm. Because there's obviously a scene where he has to show himself cutting off his arm. Yeah. And they made this arm through fiberglass and steel bone, silicone and fibrous muscles oh. and tendons, functional veins and arteries, what? and translucent silicone layer of skin with subcutaneous silicone fat layer. Yikes. They made this arm. That's awesome. That They're practical crazy. effects. That's great. Yeah. And they said that people on the set were getting ill by watching him do this scene. And then obviously people in theaters, there were a number of news stories that came out of people getting sick by watching the scene because it is well, yeah. horrifying because they make you feel as if you're on it. And I actually had a friend who worked on this shoot as well, but mm-hmm. and he talked about some experiences there. But I wanted to say that this movie is also surprisingly hopeful. Yes. And even though it's horrific what happens, in the end, you feel uplifted when it's over. And it's a story of hope and survival and the human spirit. It's one you need to see if you haven't already. And it is art, obviously, for a graphic arm-chopping scene and uh, some language, but it's on Clearplay DVD if you want it a little bit edited because really it's just you jump over one or two things and mm-hmm. it's squeaky but i feel like you almost have to watch the arm scene to really get the full effect i'm not saying cut that part yeah don't cut that off Uh, (laughs) cut uh, it out uh, oh no yeah that's my number five though 127 hours by danny boyle my number five is from 2014 i'm really sticking right in the middle of the decade there's not a lot of recent movies on my list early ones i'm noticing so 2014 well because you know what's gonna stick around at that point yeah it's true it's whiplash yeah wait 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 yes Damien Chazelle. Yes. Was your last written, movie? written and directed by Damien Chazelle. Wasn't your last movie Damien Chazelle? Nope, it wasn't. That was, was about time. Oh, it was Denis Villeneuve. That's mm-hmm. what I was thinking of. Yeah, that's right. 
A promising young drummer enrolls at a cutthroat music conservatory where his dreams of greatness are mentored by an instructor who will stop at nothing to realize a student's potential. Starring Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons in a role that won him the Oscar for J.K. Simmons, that is. And should. He's and should. Were you rushing or were you dragging? <laughs> were you rushing or were you dragging? I watched that and I go, wait, 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 wait. What if he was asking me? What would I say? Yeah, that's I, what you do. He was rushing. Right? He was I rushing. I would take a symbol to the head is what would happen. <laughs> and you would. This movie, so it was a Sundance movie. It was actually one of the, is one of the lowest grossing movies ever to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture. Really? Yeah. How and I'm low? actually surprised it got nominated. I don't I don't have the numbers because Box Office like Mojo is the worst now. Oh, oh it is. But it got bought out by, Box Office Mojo got bought out by IMDb, IMDb Pro. So now all the information's really? behind a paywall. You can't get box office numbers from Box <gasps> Office Mojo anymore. I know. There goes a lot that of our bacon cell research. Yeah. But somebody it, else will do it. This one made money. This was a uh, Sundance winner for best audience score and best critical score. And I saw this one a few months after that and was blown away. It gave me so many headaches. And for me, that is a beautiful experience. Stress headaches? Stress headaches. Yeah. Uh, because that final 10 minutes, which is the best scene of the movie, it's about 10 minutes of a music performance. Did you see that coming? No. Cool. I really didn't. It, no, it surprised me. And it, I'll tell you this, Jacob, terrified me. Oh, That's like worst nightmare stuff coming true. I was like, no, oh, he's up to something. Mm-mm. And so then when it happened, I'm like, okay, yes, yeah. But up to something that, sure, that's a movie trope, but the way he doesn't stop playing that song. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Where you're like, okay, it's been long enough. Quit drumming. We get it. A drum solo, but he keeps going. It's actually seven minutes of him playing that final drum solo. Wow. And it, yeah, it's, a while. it's painful, but it's beautiful Most drum at the solos same time. Are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor drummers out there. You're like, all right, let's get back to the song, buddy. So Damien Chazelle, uh, he made this movie. So he shot, edited it, and submitted it into Sundance in 10 weeks. Think about that. Wow. 10 weeks for no. a movie. Oh. Yeah, and it became... Sh- he did this? Yes, he did this. Shot, edited... And sent it in. And he wrote it too, right? Yes, he and wrote directed. it. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? How many people were helping him with that? Holy cow. Well, it's a, it's a low-budget feature, so not a lot, actually. Hmm. Uh, so actually, when uh, Miles Teller, who plays drums, and he was playing for about 80% of the scenes. Hmm, good for him. But they had someone for the more intense scenes, obviously a real professional come in. Right. But uh, Damien Chazelle wouldn't yell cut when Miles Teller was playing so hard that his hands were bleeding. He would not yell cut to get the actual pain. That's a good director. Isn't that kind of mean? That's a little mean. But at the same time... He's, he, a, little, he's a little like J.K. Simmons' character. Yeah, he's like, you have to keep drumming till you exhaust yourself. Man, this movie made me care about things that I never thought I would. Like jazz music? I hated before this movie. I just didn't understand. Hated is the wrong word. I didn't understand or care to venture into. And then also like bands, the, the college band experience. Mm-hmm. Now it kind of fascinates me. No, I was in choir, but I did have a <laughs> choir teacher similar to this. Hmm. But the the whole experience of having a professor push you so hard, like to the point of finding the next great one. J.K. Simmons' character, he seems like the villain, or is he the hero of the story? So can I can I say this? This is kind of a yeah, spoiler, but kind sure. of not. But I was so bugged at this movie when it first started out because I was like, why are they trying to make it seem like this type of teacher is the one is the only type that can push you to your greatness. He's not a hero. He's not a hero. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, midway through the movie, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's the villain. He's the villain. And all of a sudden, the whole movie shifted for me. And I was like, 
This is a well done movie. Or is he the hero? He's the villain. Are you sure? He's a horrible person. And it's actually a great villain story because every great villain needs to actually believe in what they're doing. It yeah. can't be like, I want to destroy the world. Like, they need to have a goal that they think can be accomplished. Well, it's just a round character. And so, yes. And... To push, lost some weight for the role. <laughs> to push the character Andrew <laughs> into greatness, to wait years and years of the best music students there is to find mm. the great one. You know, Kent, I'd say good job on this pick, but that'd be the worst <laughs> thing I could say to Those you right now. Those are two worst words yeah. in the English language. <laughs> great job, Damien Chazelle. This good. movie is nonstop incredible. Good job, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Not good job. Come on. My number four is about a team of explorers traveling through a wormhole in space in an attempt to ensure humanity's survival. It's Interstellar. Oh, I thought it was Sliders. (laughs) Sliders. Sliders. I I thought it was Giant Oprah. Dang it. Giant Giant Space Oprah? Yeah. Wrinkling Time? time? Yeah, Wrinkling Time. Or is Kate called it a whisper in the wind or something? A whisper in time. That's what it was. There's no whispering because it's Giant Oprah. Yeah. Sliders. Sliders. Some whispering. What? Seafood salad. Sisters. Sisters. We're local again. (laughs) Yeah, really local. Uh, This one is written and directed by Christopher Newland, according to a friend of mine. Oh, yes. Yeah, it stars Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Jessica Chastain. And I could go on about this movie. And I'm going to. So we talked a little bit about making the right recipe in in this episode already. Right. So many years ago when this movie came out, we worked with this girl and she was, she was a great cook, a great chef even. And she came up with this thing that we had uh, based off the office, but the Finer Things Club. Hi, oh, Amy. Yes. Hey, Amy. What's up, Amy? And she actually kind of helped me with my review because I went and checked out my re- review for this. And I actually took a really long quote from her that I'm going to break down. It's still really too long, but it was about making the perfect mole. Okay. So mm-hmm. bear with me. I'm going to get indulgent here. Oh, crap. This is a Kent moment. You ready? Settle in, folks. Right now, Joel, I wish you edited the show. Cooking doesn't always make sense. There are some recipes that include a seemingly endless list of ingredients that shouldn't work together, but somehow they do. A good mole, for example, combines ingredients such as chilies, cloves, raisins, almonds, a corn tortilla, tomatoes, Mexican chocolate, garlic, a plantain, and some French bread. In my mind, those components don't work together, especially spread on top of a shredded chicken tucked into corn tortillas. Now I'm hungry. Yeah, right? However crazy it seems to combine garlic, chocolate, and chilies, it ends up working. After simmering for several hours, the flavors marry to create a smoky, earthy, slightly sweet, and decidedly savory sauce that is uniquely delicious. And then I come in, I say, this recipe sums up the inner workings of Interstellar. There are a dozen themes that make up Interstellar, most notably family, relativity, love, time, gravity, and somehow the supernatural. But You're this, right. It is kind of like a mole. This all comes together. And granted, some people don't like mole. And yeah. that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not everyone's taste. Some people think it's okay, and then they get yelled at because they thought it was good. <laughs> do, you, do you think mole is <laughs> just okay, Joel? I think Interstellar is good. It's great, actually. <laughs> But you hated me because I, I, did, I didn't love it I as much Joel as you did. I think gave it a three and a half. And I was like, how That's dare exactly you, sir? That's exactly what it was. That's exactly <laughs> like, what it was. I'm like, if there's a 5.5 on your five-point scale, this is a 5.5. <laughs> this is a work of art. Christopher Nolan made something that is almost like a detached space travel movie, but made it about family. And that is why emotionally I am so brought into this. Okay. Obviously, and corn. Don't forget there's corn. There's too. so much yeah. corn. Yeah. But Matthew McConaughey, who at that time was in part of the McConaughey's, where he was coming back as a good actor again, 
he even him just seeing him has that all died at this point yeah it kind of has yeah him tearing up after like spoiler alert leaving his daughter to go save the planet possibly Mm -hmm. gets me right in the feels and then when he's on the mission and we've talked about this on the show but when he realizes that so much time has passed and his kids have grown up and he it's hasn't a been there, breaking scene. Holy cow! And it's been memed to death since. It then. has, but it doesn't take away the effect I have while watching the movie. Combined with Hans Zimmer's score, the uh, this omnipresent score, which is just so loud, but it brings you into this world of bl- where black holes exist and somehow they make magic happen. Right. Um, and so Kip Thorne was the astrophysicist used on this movie. And actually says, like, he's like, the largest degree of creative license in this movie are the clouds on the ice planet. So he's basically saying they would actually not be supported. But he's saying your black hole science is probably the closest thing that we possibly understand about, about black holes. Hmm. Which, granted, there's so much mystery to black so holes. We'll yeah, never we be able to understand book them. Bookcases and black holes? Well, that's kind of the weird part, That's part right? of the science. That's what he said. Yeah. It gets to, to the end and you're like, so is it like the fifth dimension? And are, are these aliens us? Or are they enlightened beings or what's going on? But they are literally pulling these strings of time where time does not exist. And you get to see this father, you know, see his daughter and himself in the past. Sorry, I'm kind of ruining stuff from the movie. No, you're actually explaining to people. People who saw it are like, oh, oh, I'll I'll see that. And it's just. Yeah, otherwise it's madness. It's beautiful. And in there, there is some action, right? There is, uh, for example, like. The, the docking, docking scene. The docking scene is incredible. Can I tell you something? Yeah. That was what pushed it up to a 0. 0.5. Oh, was it? Yeah. Because you just felt so much because yeah. the music was just swelling it was, up. It was an amazing sequence where I was really caught up in it. Yeah. Well, that one in the in the, in the video call. Matt that Damon? Was both out there. Matt Damon. Yeah. Yeah, from The Martian. That was weird when he made a cameo. There was that weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but even the water planet, like the music. So here's what Christopher Nolan does. He makes movies and then he's like... I'm going to throw salt and extra and hopefully you get it. So the music in the background. This is number like, four, by like the way. Mole. This is Ken's number four. We yeah. haven't got to his top three yet. The music in the background for the water planet. Remember the giant wave? I like, can't believe you like other movies more than this. I know. Isn't it crazy? So I, embarrassing. I love this movie. Yeah, the giant wave is awesome. Like love, love, love. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to propose to it tomorrow. But it's not just the giant wave. <laughs> Aww. They're in this music. happy together. There is ticking every 1.25 seconds while they're on the water planet. And that ticking... Literally, the whole time they're there, every 1.25 seconds, that's the length of one day on Earth. So the relativity on this planet, every time that clicks, it goes, that's a day. A day passes. And they're there for a long time. And that is why so much time passes in the movie. It is telling you. It is giving you exposition without you knowing. Smart. It's smart. Uh, It's beautiful. I love this movie. It's almost three hours long. Good luck watching it. But I would love to watch it with anyone that wants to. Okay. And the score is amazing. Wow. Do you want me to keep going? No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Let me no. talk about Mole no. real quick. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, you can talk about that. Uh, man, is this just the Make Kent Happy section of the show? It is. Because my number four is La La Land. Yeah! <laughs> I love you, Joel. <laughs> so this is directed by Damien Chazelle, who did Whiplash, and we talked about First Man. Uh, synopsis. When na- while navigating their careers in Los Angeles, a pianist and an actress fall in love while attempting to reconcile their aspirations for the future. Kent, when is Nolan going to hire uh, Ryan Gosling? And that's, then you can marry these worlds. That's a good question. That would be good. Yeah. So this one is... I hate it when the award shows tend to lump musicals and comedies together. Yeah. Because they say, oh, yeah, it's musical. It's a comedy. And I'm like, uh, Moulin Rouge is not a comedy. 
But this one is one too where, yes, it has comedic elements. But when I talk about this movie, I don't talk about the funny stuff. I talk about the beautiful dance numbers. Mm -hmm. I talk about the amazing music. I talk about the stunning sets and costumes. I talk about how this feels like old world Hollywood to me, like it, uh, uh, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers yes. kind of stuff. And it's done in a way that is very sweet, but not sappy. And it also it gives you bitter, but it's not pessimistic. But do you feel like the pessimism comes from the modern era aspect of the movie? Perhaps. But but I, but I feel like it's, it never wallows in it. That's what I'm saying. Like right, It's, it's right. showing this bright, happy future, but also, uh, well, excuse me, the bright, happy uh, environment of L.A. and yeah. the star life. But then it also shows people bombing and, and not doing yeah. what they're, not fulfilling their potential. Were you disappointed that this movie was actually modern day? Because I, I barely watched a trailer. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, it's probably a 60s story. But then when I saw the, the freeway dance, I was like, oh, yeah. it's taking place now. That kind of cheapens it, but it, it didn't. Which I'd like to say something right now. Ken. Yeah. I thought that was part of its magic, honestly. Yeah. Is yeah. that you said, and I remember you saying this, you said, Joel, you look like you've been working out. And I said, thank you. <laughs> and then you said, hey, can I buy you lunch sometime in 2019? And I said, sure. And I did finally. Uh, and no, after that, you said, after I get you your Carl's Jr. that I owe you, I want to get you another lunch. Oh, no. You were really kind. <laughs> but then you said... <laughs> Your reaction, and you were talking to me, you were talking to the audience as a whole. You said, your reaction to the first 10 minutes of this movie will tell you if you're going to like, love it or not. Yes. And 10 minutes in, I was absolutely sold that I was going to love this movie. Mm -hmm. That opening sequence, Another Day of Sun, I've listened to that song probably more than any other soundtrack I've mentioned on this list. That one song. Yeah. Because it just is so well done. It reminds me of this happy, beautiful opening number. I still listen to it. Like it's anytime so we need to pick me up and to dance a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Every single number in this movie is great, uh, especially like A Lovely Night. I love that one. That, right? Yeah. Like I may have practiced that dance in the privacy of my own room. Family friendly. Uh, this movie uh, was uh, got 14 nominations at the Academy Awards, which is the record tied for the record held by All About Eve and Titanic. And it won a bunch of those as well. It won in six categories. Um now, Kent, did you? We talked about this. We've talked about. Have we talked about this movie before? <laughs> a few times. Uh, Wait, hold but, on, Jake. Have I talked about this movie before? <laughs> Does it sound familiar? If anything, we've talked about it in the last hour. Uh, but this one is uh, the style and tone are inspired. Doesn't already have mentioned show? by the Umbrellas yeah, of Sherbrooke. And I wanted to know, Kent, if you'd watched that yet? Because we've talked about that. No. Can I challenge you Whoa. to watch the Umbrellas of Sherbrooke? Yes. Animated movie, right? No, no. It's a '60s live action film. Oh, okay. And, and I challenge beautiful. you also. To put on a shirt while we record. <laughs> no, He's being it's Ryan hot Gosling. in the air. Uh, I, I dyed my hair for okay. this. And, and you at home, if you love La La Land, I want you to go watch The Umbrellas of Cherbrook. It's a French film. It's subtitled, but it is so, it's so similar to this one. And I loved Umbrellas in Cherbrook when I watched it back in college. Yeah. This movie made me think of it again, and it made me want to watch this, the movie again. Does All the Land feel like a ripoff or a tribute? Tribute. Okay. It, they're different movies. Uh, in fact, Umbrellas of Cherbrook is almost entirely singing the whole time. Oh. But it's an experimental film. It's it's very well done. So if you haven't seen that, I recommend that. I also recommend going to see La La Land. So okay. good. We in All top right. three. We're in top three. Boop, boop, boop. Uh, my number three is actually another James Franco film. Came out in 2012. It's Spring Break. Oh. <laughs> Shut up. No, it's not. Why have we not talked about worst? Uh, we should one of these but days. No, let's be no, positive. Spring no, we're being positive. Worst. Uh, Ken's not going to agree with my number three, I think, because he's going to th say it's gimmicky. I, I agree with you, Joel. Thank you. Overly CGI. <laughs> you, you don't even know yet. I know his heart. He probably doesn't like uh, the actors involved, but this was a movie that... 
Skyscraper. Was one of the most amazing experiences I've had in the theater in the past decade. It's 2013's Gravity. So Alfonso Cuaron directed this movie. He did Prisoner of Azkaban yeah. and Children of Men. Uh, and the synopsis is two astronauts work together to survive after an accident leaves them stranded in space. Two astronauts? For a time. For a time. Mm-hmm. Shh. <laughs> until there's three. Hey, um, audience. <laughs> yeah, watch they, movies. Until they make a baby. <laughs> uh, baby starring Sandra Bullock baby. and George Clooney, who would make a beautiful baby. Yeah, yeah. and Sandra Bullock's baby. Uh, but this movie is, I mean, a budget of about $100 million and it made $723 million. Well, it's a freaking masterpiece. And a freaking masterpiece. It, it, it is. Roger Ebert's corpse. <laughs> this isn't just a movie. This is an yeah, experience. I think this, that's what he said. He this rolled movie, over and he was like, oh, that one. Freaking masterpiece. <laughs> this movie is an experience Come of back sight. For this it's one. an experience of sound, and it's an emotional experience. This makes you feel like you are in space instead of just showing you a story in space. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I saw this in 3D IMAX, yeah. and it made a huge difference. But I also watched it on a tiny little screen on the back of an airplane chair during a flight, and it still, still affected me. It did. Because I only saw it in the theater, and I didn't want to tarnish the experience, so right. that's where I left it. I do love this movie, but I didn't want to watch it again. You should, because it's still well. And Stephen Price's musical score and the cinematography, it just it pulls you in. Like There are scenes where I was holding my breath because yeah. I was so stressed out of what was going to happen. They spent three years doing the visual effects on this movie. 80% of this movie is visual effects. And they, someone compared that to, uh, I think it was Avatar, which is 60% CGI. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of wow. there's a lot of uh, visual effects going on here, but it feels very well done. Like it's not animated. It feels like you're really in space. Now this was the eighth highest grossing film of 2013. It was beaten by Frozen, Iron Man Three, Despicable Me Two, The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog, The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, Fast and the Furious Six, and Monsters University. But it did beat Man of Steel. So. Um, <laughs> not my heart low bar I had to bring you down a notch because you're getting a little too happy yeah low bar 700 million that's a low bar uh, received 10 yeah. nominations for the Academy Awards and it, it won oh I can't remember how many it won it, it got the greatest number of remember nominations remember when Minions beat uh, Superman though? oh it won 7 it won 70, <laughs> 7 Academy else. Awards but it did not win Best Picture. In fact, the film is second only to Cabaret to receive the most Academy Awards in its year without winning it Best Picture it lost 12 Years a Slave right? which 12 Years a Slave good movie it happened well done movie but I thought the cinematography and the effects and the visual, like the way they were telling the story yeah. was so good. Yeah, technically it's better. And There's and probably something else that deserved to win more than either, though, isn't there? I think Gravity is. Gravity, Gravity was the standout yeah. that year, if I remember right. And actually, uh, well, Caron, Alfonso Caron, the director, said, this isn't, I didn't go out to make a scientifically accurate movie. I went out to make a, tell a story. Uh, Buzz Aldrin called the visual effects remarkable and said, I was so extravagantly impressed by the portrayal of the reality of zero gravity. Well, we all know he didn't really go to the moon. So (laughs) spoilers. Oops. So that's my number three. If you haven't seen gravity, go watch it. It's a simple story and yet it is so effective. Perfect. I've got a shocking movie for my number three. Shocker. (gasps) It's a shocker. Minions. Oh, amazing Spider-Man two. It is Amazing Spider-Man 2. I knew it. Jamie Foxx's Electro. Yep. Like, have you guys revisited that movie? No. Like when he plays Itsy Bitsy Spider. <laughs> Not since you took me to the theater if I returned to that. Yeah. <laughs> Did I take you to that one? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And we hugged the entire way through, right? Yeah. I think we held hands or something. Yeah, held yeah. hands and hugged. When it got scary. We Give were... <laughs> your real pick. <laughs> it was the first Amazing Spider-Man. No, my real pick is from 2010. It's my second favorite movie of that year. 2010. It's Shutter Island. Oh, yeah. 
So that's a great movie. It is. There's no question about it. I'm kind of surprised right now. Though, that's what I was going for. Directed by Martin Scorsese. Number two. Number three. Three. Be- yeah. Okay. 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 I'm okay. I saw this one, and granted, it was a good time for Leonardo DiCaprio. Like he had Inception. He had. It was his two years after Departed, which he did with Scorsese as right. well. This was the DiCaprio sense. <laughs> that's <laughs> a thing. All these that's things, a sense. And more like the Scorsese sense. The Scorsese sense? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he ever really went away. Did but huh? okay. No. But I'll read the synopsis first. In 1954, a U.S. marshal investigates the disappearance of a murderer who escaped from a hospital for the criminally insane. This one is kind of a thriller. It's a it was, mind It was billed as a horror film, actually, because well, that's it's kind of what insane it is. asylum. Yeah. Kind of, well, I mean, it's kind of based on a... Hotel. I would say it's all, yeah. it's more horror than anything. A thriller, honestly. I'd say. I don't know if horror. Well, thriller. Okay, okay. I'm with you on thriller. Yeah. Yeah. I disagree based on who the character of, who Leonardo DiCaprio's character is and what he goes but through. But here's what I'll say, Jacob. Once again, when I talk about this movie, I don't talk about how it scared me. I talk about how it emotionally wrecked me. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's so uncomfortable the whole time and then shattering. Yeah, to me, yeah. like I was so emotionally invested, like stressed, as you're saying, as yeah, a thriller. so stressful. But... And so invested in his character and the mystery and the way it's told that when the truth is revealed, it's like a punch in the stomach. Totally. Like it takes the wind out of you, makes you cry a little bit. A little sick. And then even like the last line in the movie, and I'm being very vague on purpose, it hurts Mm -hmm. because of how much you love the character. It feels so unresolved too. Like that's one of the things with the movie when I think back is I still feel unsettled So much that I had to watch this again to kind of view it in a different way. View Mm -hmm. it after like, a twist is revealed and go, well, who do I really believe? What's really happening here? Because you could believe a few different things, mm-hmm. but sometimes you just have to be resolved to go for the easiest solution, which hurts. Yeah. And this movie does hurt me quite it a bit. It does hurt. Oh, man. And the immaculate framing that Scorsese what is do you love able the things to that hurt you? <laughs> it's so weird. Like, that's why I love the dramatic category. They can sell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hashtag my life. Uh-huh. Kent cares. That stars uh, Michael Keaton and Yeah, Kidman, that right? movie's really sad. It's that's sad in the too. dramatic category for the 90s. Yeah. But the framing of this movie is perfect from, like, the interrogations. This movie's not only, like, tricking detectives, it's tricking you as the, as the audience. Mm. Yeah, and then capturing the mood. Like the capturing the environment of the insane asylum, the rocky cliffs, the water, the storms around there. This movie is so manipulative to yeah. the entire experience, not only to the characters, but you. I think this is a masterpiece. It is my second favorite Scorsese movie. Your first being The Departed? Departed. Okay. Yeah, but I love Shutter Island. I honestly can't get enough of it. Okay. So yeah, my number three. All right. My number two. I love Inception. Yeah, yeah. La La Land. We talked enough about this, but I do want to give a little, a few more facts. Please do. Do you? I, of course, I do. All right, fine. So, in another day of sun, it was 109 degrees, and they filmed that over two days. Each performer, because they filmed it kind of on the cheap, but they did close down that part of the freeway. There were a lot of visual effects as well. But they had two spare sets of costumes, and they just stored the extra one in their cars if they sweat through the other one. And then the choreographer 
was like they didn't usually a choreographer for a big dance number will be like above a camera or something. They didn't want to be caught in the camera. So yeah. they were hiding under a car. This woman was under a car on the asphalt in yeah. 190 degree weather and yelling instructions to the dancers from underneath the car. So she get me out. Get me out. Like she can't see anything. That doesn't <laughs> yeah. make any sense. You're she's laying watching, under a car. She's watching their feet. Yeah. So also uh, this see that scene goes on for six minutes. It's only three shots connected via quick pants. Well, so it's it, meant to be like one quick shot. And but it feels like it. I wanted yeah. to point this out too, Ken. I don't know if you were going to say this, but so he he wrote this movie way back when mm-hmm. and he was like, I want to get it made. And they're like, okay, you got to cut the opening number. It's too expensive. Yeah. You got to cut this. You got to change that. We don't want him to be a jazz singer. We want him to be a rock star. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that. And it wasn't until Whiplash when he got attention that once again, it punched his ticket and they're like, okay, whatever you want to do. And he's like, I want to do the movie I wanted to do. Okay. Isn't that incredible? Uh, for me, the best scene is not another dance, another day of sun. I'm not saying it's the best scene. I'm saying that's the scene. It's the scene just, that grabs you. Yeah, that was when I was like, I'm in. The epilogue is so amazing, and once again, people don't like that. It's a moment that hurts me, <laughs> but I love it for it. <laughs> uh, it is beautiful, and it gives a recap of the movie. Oh, and man, I'm trying to remember the epilogue and wish. I'm just fu- thinking of like the wish fulfillment, the bar scene at the end, or whatever. yeah, it's well, yeah. it is. It's part of that. It's about an eight minute scene of what could I like be. We're, I like how we're so hesitant oh, to spoil. Okay. Any movies. Okay, I'm so okay. sorry. Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. yeah. Watch yeah, movies, everybody. I, if you haven't seen these, please, please, please watch them. Yeah. But it's uh, it's a scene of what happened, what is, and what could be or could have been. It really is cool to give you this perspective of like forking decisions in your life, you know, and yeah. how things can change and yeah. what it can look like. And, and just, you know, even when the plot does become depressing, like without becoming like all too depressing. Because oh, it does. It's like seeing people's like, dreams crushed. Right. But there's a significant element of, of hope, like a focus on dreams. Yeah. And sometimes you have to give up something else yes. or dreams Sometimes or dreams yes. for something else. Why do you love the things that hurt you? Oh man, this movie hurts me so good. <laughs> <laughs> like that's going to be on the poster <laughs> if it wasn't back in 2000 2016. I saw this one and for I saw it 2 months before it came out. We saw a very early screening and I couldn't like I immediately wanted the soundtrack. I immediately wanted to see this movie again and had to wait 2 more months. Like I yeah. felt starved for this movie. So when it finally did, I was like, Joel, you need to see this movie now. Yeah. And then here's a screener. <laughs> Please yeah. watch this. <laughs> Fine, Kent. I, I'm in love with all the land. And that is my number two. All right. Wow. Uh, my number two uh, came out in 2013. It stars Ian Zierig and Tara Reid. It's Sharknado. The first one. The, the first, classic. Well, yeah, because okay. I mean, after okay. that, they I sold mean, out. Two was okay. Yeah. Sold out. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my number two is controversial to Kent for a number of reasons. Uh, that reason is being Brie Larson because it's Room. Oh, okay. You, yeah. Room, really? So Room was one of those movies that I did not expect to be as engaged as I was. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised to see you that engaged too. I, I love this Of course, movie. then again, you chose Nightcrawler. And I mean, yeah. she hasn't been that engaged in a movie since then. So yeah. yeah. So, okay. So Room, if you don't know what that is, came out in 2015. Synopsis. Held captive for seven years in an enclosed space, a woman and her young son finally gained their freedom, allowing the boy to experience the outside world for the first time. So that's already kind of a spoiler there, but you kind of get the feeling that's what's going to happen because mm-hmm. it is, first of all, it's a very... Very sensitive subject. Yes. Because this girl is kidnapped and held captive for seven years. It's awful. Hidden in a shed in the backyard of this creeper idiot. And she bears a child while she's in there. And the kid has never seen the outside world. And so she creates this world of room where it's like she doesn't want him to wonder what's out there or be sad about not missing out. So she basically says your whole world is room. 
everything on TV that you see, because they have a TV in this room. It's it's a very tiny like shed, but they have a TV in there. And she's like, everything out there is made up. You know, it's just magical. It's it's fantasy. Mm-hmm. And there are scenes in this movie where I stopped breathing and my heart just started racing. The back of the truck? Yes. Mm-hmm. I watched that scene today. Ooh. Started crying. Uh, <laughs> well, come on. Because it's so powerful. <laughs> I sent you a Mentos commercial today and you started crying. Yes, yeah. I did. But uh, Brie Larson uh, playing the mom, the girl, and Jacob Tremblay playing the little five-year-old boy. Regardless of everything they've done since that movie. Yeah. This movie will always, I'll always applaud their performance in this movie. It's great. You believe what's happening and it is amazing to watch unfold. And this one is also one where it feels so hopeless and sad. And yet there is a sense of hope underlying it that brings you up at the end and reminds you once again, what's really important in life, which seems to be a running theme in mine. Yeah. Except for Nightcrawler. Um, that's, <laughs> that doesn't remind so that's you fast in a row. messed up. <laughs> Uh, this one is rated R uh, for language mostly, uh, but Sonvid Angel, Clearplay, Blu-ray, uh, Clearplay DVD and Blu-ray. So you can watch it with a couple of those things out if you don't want that. But this movie got res- four nominations, including Best Picture, and Brie Larson actually won Best Actress for this one. And pretty much the reason why she became Captain Marvel. Pretty much. This, yeah. this is the movie that put her on the map. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was on Community for a while before that. Yeah, because that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah, the I mean, on, she didn't gain popularity She was that, on though. Community? No. Yeah, she's yeah. Abed's girlfriend. Uh, oh, in a man. couple episodes. It must have been Girlfriend late season date. I didn't get to. It's later seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she's mid, she's like three in the, anyway, doesn't matter. Favorite of our community show. And Scott Pilgrim, but still yeah. didn't become a big name. But yes, this, this movie is amazing. If you have not seen Room, I highly recommend it because it will take you on an emotional journey you didn't really expect. So, so dramatic. So dramatic. Ah, drama! Are we on uh, honorable mentions? Honorable yeah, we are. mentions. Honorable mentions. How many do you have? Oh, plenty. Uh, here we have in 2010, I gave it to catfish, uh, because that's become like commonplace now. People say catfishing because of that documentary that it's save it for a it's documentary. It's such a thriller to me though, until the end. And then it's yeah. dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also Harry Potter's yeah. and Deathly Hallows part one, 2011, the hell oh, did Harry Potter's get some love? They did. For the first time in the ticket dance. dance. I do. I did like how the series wrapped up very well. It just got pushed out. I'm sorry, Sam. Also the help, the descendants take shelter and then Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows part two, in 2012, Life of Pi, Looper, Argo. Uh, 2014, Whiplash, Boyhood, Ex Machina. Yeah, yeah. 2015, Brooklyn, The Revenant, Sicario, Spotlight. 2016, Arrival, Hell or High Water, Lion, Your Did Name. Did you just name Hell or High Water? Oh, so good. Yeah. And then 2017, I, Tonya, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Logan, mm. Wind River. Oh, no, your name is on that one. Sorry, yeah, but... Are you just naming every movie that came out this decade? I cut out so many of these, Kent. Don't you judge me. That's like three a year. I had so many. I didn't put any for 2018 or 2019. Because you, you don't like those years? I just couldn't find anything that I thought deserved to be on here. Oh, sad. Jeez. Well, in I, I, there was like 20-something honorable mentions. I had to cut it somewhere. 37. But all good. Whatever. <laughs> you always have a ton, too. No, I have less. All right, let's hear what you have. Uh, Boyhood, Nightcrawler, Dunkirk, Brooklyn, The Impossible, The Town, Beginners, Gravity, Ex Machina. Oh my gosh, you're going on forever. Before Midnight, The Social uh-huh, Network, uh-huh, Prisoners, uh-huh. Manchester by the uh-huh. Sea, and Black Swan. Hmm, what was your total count Those are there? good choices. I haven't seen some of those, actually. Black Beginners, Swan? you should see. It has Ewan McGregor that was and older. Christopher slash Donald Plummer. <laughs> and uh, it is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I noticed, Kent. Yes. I noticed hmm. that you mentioned Dunkirk in your honorable mentions. I did. It didn't make your top ten. It didn't. You mentioned Interstellar is your number four. Number four. Is your number one Inception? My number one's Obviously. Inception! <laughs> one of the best movies of all time. 
Hands it's down. very well done. And in very, it's my humble opinion, I cannot get enough of this movie. Have we talked this one to death about how smart Christopher Nolan is, how much work he puts into it? Like, I'll say this. I'll tell you after Tenet. After, oh, his next movie? Yeah. Which I'm always waiting for his Shyamalan moment. And by that, I mean, when I'm he, waiting for his moment to fail. When he peaks and then he goes crazy. Yeah. Well, honestly, this next one is going to tell me whether or not he is in for like like a full stretch of great movies or if it's going to be like... It, it's It's been like 10 movies of perfection. What yeah, do you mean? No, 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 no. Like, Dunkirk, Hold on. How Dunkirk much was, do you have to... Dunkirk was an odd... Not, not a departure, and it's not like the quality was It was lower. definitely a departure. Yeah, it was a departure. And so at this point, I'm like... Is he kind of like, has he like checked his list? Is it all done? Is he just trying to figure well, you, out you, something to do you now? You do wonder what genre he can cover next. No, the nice, yeah, yeah, the yeah. nice thing is that uh, Chris Renolan, would say for Chris Renolan show, but he takes his time on movies. He's not like M. Night Shyamalan. He he's like cranking him out, writing, directing, producing every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, taking, he's taking turns. So Kent, uh, sing so, your praises for Inception. Really quick. So he says, I wanted to write a we movie. We talked about so it forever It's before. about a heist movie. Yeah. It's about a heist, but he wants to write from characters about something he knows, which is filmmaking. And so, you know, even though everyone has like their own titles in the movie, Cobb is the director, Arthur's producer, Ariadne is production designer, Eames is the actor, Saito is the studio, and Fisher is the audience. You say whatever you know. Every character is part of the filmmaking process and going to the audience, where the exposition is just dumped on the audience, and you kind of just have to listen Mm -hmm. and watch it twice, probably. There's a lot of exposition. It's it's a lot. There's so much beauty here. Dom is who the main character's name. That means home. Vin Diesel? His, His goal is to get home. And probably Vin Diesel's, there's probably some deeper meaning there, too. It's all about family. There's like infographics dedicated to the levels of dreams in this movie and who goes where and whose dream is it. What other movie has that kind of meticulous Reddit postings all about it? (laughs) Uh, And that is basically where I live. And he realizes, he acknowledges, he goes, you know, people may pick this apart because there are things that are implausible and they may say that's part of a dream in the movie but honestly that's how films are dreams start right in the middle of a dream you never really begin a dream you never say oh here i am i'm dreaming Mm -hmm. you start right in the middle of a scene and that is how so many scenes start in this movie like all of a sudden you'll see leonardo DiCaprio and ellen page's character all of a sudden at the cafe you're like wait what just happened and they're there and they're in the dream and he's kind of almost making fun making fun of filmmaking tropes and the way we're used to films and the way that we see dreams and expect th- them to be portrayed as well yeah and the end of the movie when the song time starts playing mm-hmm. and he finally i mean can i spoil inception eh, uh, sure i mean well, okay sure. i'll say this when he finally realizes his goal and gets to see two certain faces i lose it every time i mean that score cry. i cry <gasps> I do. Whoa. I know. Well, With look. your eyes? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Actually, my ears start leaking. Oh, that's, that's okay, a medical okay, condition. Okay, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. should get that. This, I, that feels way more natural, honestly. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> Actually, just pull out nose hair so I cry. I'm like, yep, I'm still crying. Uh, but it, it gets I'm me. I'm human. Pink. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it is something that every time I watch it, I say, well, was Maul right? Uh, what's happening? Is is he in the right? But the the best part about that, and mm. I, I I was reading up on this today, and I totally agree. The best part about that is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's real or not because he doesn't care anymore. He wants that. Yes. He wants his goal that he's been trying for. Right. So, oh yeah, this is the masterpiece beyond all masterpieces for me. It's very well done. Well done, Christopher Nolan. But it is no. 
I guess Amen. I better watch it. My, no, stop it. My number one. My number one was the end of a saga, the Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Part One. Not Part Two. No, Part Two is drivel. <laughs> part One. No. Can, can I guess? Of course you know what it is. It's about time. Of course it's about time. Yes. When you're like, I scooped your number one. I'm like, he did it again. <laughs> yeah. Every single one of these decade dances, you've scooped my number one. Decade dance. dance. Decade dance. Uh, this one is one I've talked about a number of times on the show before. Uh, as I've mentioned, this is an amazing movie. Like I've, I've said this. This isn't just a love story. This is a life story. This yeah, is a movie right. that literally changed the way I think about life. Really? Yes, because, I mean, there's this whole message at the end Mm -hmm. where he's talking about how, you know, live your life to enjoy the mundane things and things like that and appreciate the ordinary. Savor it. And yeah, just basically love life. And help others, love others. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it'll become a better life. And I completely agree with that. In fact, Richard Curtis decided to make this movie about how you achieve happiness in ordinary life. And I just related to that so much. And it's funny because this movie was lower rated... Uh, and lower lower producing than a lot of other movies that I've mentioned on mm-hmm. here. But personally, this one is my best movie of the decade. This is the one I recommended to the most people. This is probably the one I've watched the most. Yeah. This is the one I talk about maybe the most. This is the one when people say, hey, what movie should I watch? And they look at my collection. I'm like, if you haven't seen that one, watch that one. Because it will make you laugh. It'll make you cry, and it's got Margot Robbie in it. <laughs> so it's like the three basic things. Yeah. And Curtis, Richard Curtis, actually said that this was his last film as director. He's going to continue in the film industry. He's still producing and writing, but he said this was his last film as directing. And if it <gasps> is, good on him. He did write uh, yesterday, yeah. but he didn't direct it. He, he had, said he'd still write and produce, but he said directing wise, he's probably no. Done after that. So the guy's a legend. I know, but at the same time, by the way, he did Love Actually, uh, Pirate Radio, Four yep. Weddings and a Funeral. Yep. And, no, but that's the thing is he could still write. He could still participate, but about time. I don't know if there's ever going to be another movie like it that hits me like that in the feels because dang it. I cry every time I watch it's this movie. So good. I want to call right my dad and tell him how much I love him. So this is definitely one that I enjoy watching. So there you go. Ugh. Kent, you want to run through your uh, top 10 real quick? Yeah, let's hear it. All right. From 10 to one drive gone girl. Your name. Kimi Nawawa. That's not your name, but that's the name of the yeah, movie. You right. can call me that. <laughs> Arrival, About Time, Whiplash, Interstellar, Shutter Island, La La Land, and Inception. So we, we, we matched on Inception, La La Land, and About Time. Yes. Nice. Is that the most we've matched is three times I think on so, list? yeah. And my 10 are The Impossible, Inception, Nightcrawler, The Social Network, Gone Girl, 127 Hours, La La Land, Gravity, Room, and About Time. Room. Wow. Oh, All man. great movies, by the way. And watch them. When we say drama, this yep. is such a broad category. Some of these are like, oh, heartwarming, loving. And some are like, you're going to feel like crud after this is over. <laughs> yeah. But we love the pain, I guess. Gone Girl. You'll never trust anyone again. Yeah. <laughs> Ever. Nightcrawler. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're, you're just going to feel icky. Yeah, just stay inside. You want to win the lottery. You got to make money to buy the ticket, Jake. There you go. Yeah. Uh, now, bef- I was going to say, let us know what your favorite dramas are of the past 10 years. Let us know if we missed any that you really enjoy or if we didn't give enough love to those that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. You can let us know on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter where we're still giving out tickets to Thanksgiving Points Luminaria. So watch out for that. And before we jump off, we'd like to give some shout outs to our patrons, those who support us at patreon.com slash bacon Thank you. Uh, first of all, with the I Am The Listener category, inc- including Terry Finlay, Stephen Ross, Adrian Gray, Chris Drought. Braden Winterton, Spencer Larson, Crew Dutler, 
Infendo Radio Steve Peacock, Colton Cook, and Jennifer Kukowski. We appreciate each and every one of you. Also, we want to give some love to our Bacon Council, including Nicole D. Hale, Chris Anderson, Ryan Farron, Mats Mudro, and Reverse Listener. Thank you, patrons, and thank you, listener, for supporting Bacon Cell. We thank really you do guys. appreciate it. If you want to find me, though, you can find me at 76Joel on Twitter, or you can find me performing at QuickWits. They perform every Saturday night at the Midbell Performing Arts Center. For more details, go to qwcomedy.com or go to the QuickWits Facebook page. If you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. If you want to read my movie reviews, it's showtimeshowdown.com. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob A. Rogers. Find Bacon Sale on Twitter and on Instagram at Bacon Sale. Uh, thanks for listening to this final the very final episode of the decade dance. We should mention, by the way, next Over. week is the se- is the season finale of Bacon Cell. Holy cow! We should mention that. We should mention that. We're gonna be taking a break after the episode next week uh, for Christmas and and uh, New Year's, and we'll be back in January. But but we have one more episode left, and so look forward to that. Uh, a couple of things too. Uh, well, Joel I rem- uh, reminded you, but let me say it again: Luminaria tickets. Make sure you like, interact, engage, whatever it is we're asking you to do there, so you can win those tickets. We want you to win those. Uh, go to TraegerGrills.com/slash/BaconSale if you are looking to buy a Traeger grill this holiday season. They are incredible. Just they, had Traeger pizza. They are amazing. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. It took like 20 minutes to make. Oh, I've heard that's really good. i got to yeah. try that. I've got to try that. <laughs> now I'm hungry. Yeah. And we have been in here a while, uh, you know, guys. So until next time, good night, room. Yep. <laughs> 10 minutes. You've been on the phone 10 minutes. I need to use the internet. <laughs> it's been a long time without you, my friend. Without you, my friend. Say it like you mean it, Jacob. Decade dance. Decade dance. Decade dance. Whoa. Drama. The most applauded of all genres of film. The only film that matters in the eyes of the Academy. Yeah, just... This is my candy. Stuff a rag in it. <laughs> I think I'm Ryan Gosling. Do you see the results? I think you see blood's but You blood's see better. the results. I saw the clear play because one. I don't know I what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't think you see the face. Basically, he stomped a guy's face in. You don't see the face because it's gone. <laughs> Why are we starting Can't out with this? <laughs> Put a stick in there. Hurry, eat something. Nemo's father <laughs> as a bad guy. Yeah. Really bad. So. It's a good reminder that I actually had tear ducts. Yes. It worked. Yes. Contain yourself, young man. Am I going to punch you or hug you? You're a terrible dude, Ben Affleck. You said you were going to use Kimono Wawa. I was tricking it? you, Joel. You liar. It doesn't get perverted or anything yeah. like that. So you're disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just enough perversion for okay. me. Who does that? Yeah. D- don't do that. He's a horrible person. Maybe I have a thing for sociopaths. There's no whispering because it's giant Oprah. Yeah. Some people think it's okay and then they get yelled at because they thought it was good. Love, love, love. Like I'm going to propose to it tomorrow. Man, is this just the Make Kent Happy section of the show? It is. You said, Joel, you look like you've been working out. And I said, thank you. (laughs) Well, it's a freaking masterpiece. Get me out! Get me out! I feel like I'm amazing. How do you love the things that hurt you? Ah, man, this movie hurts me so good. Drama! Whoa. I know. With your eyes? (laughs) No! Part two is drivel! Slide. Some whispering. Steak, what? Seafood salad. Sisters. Sliders. <laughs>